Stories from California Cattle Country is produced by the California Cattlemen's Foundation and receives support from the California Cattle Council. We've created this podcast for those wanting to connect with the people and practices of far-flung ranches and dairies in California through hearing stories from and learning more about the families in cattle country. Susanville is located in Lassen County, the second northernmost county in the state, being south only to Modoc County, which will be featured in our next episode. I showed up at Five Dot Ranch in my normal ranch visit attire, jeans, hiking boots, and a cook shirt, which I requisitioned from my time in restaurants. Typically, we have to travel to see the property and the animals, usually via side-by-side. Five Dot is situated a bit differently than most ranches, with the ranch house smack dab in the middle of the property surrounded by pastures and cattle. In fact, they have an aerostrait driveway that runs nearly a mile where the cows peruse the shoulders, prevented from escape only by a cattle guard. The Swickards live in a remodeled 19th century farmhouse. The interior is stunning. It's almost like Martha Stewart and West Elm designed a ranch house together. I was greeted by Todd Swicker, sixth-generation rancher at Five Dot, along with his wife, Lori. He, like the house, was dressed in a functional but rustic way, with jeans, comfortable shoes, and a Patagonia sweater. I began the morning in a motel on Main Street, which is also U.S. Route 395, in Susanville, which is about 20 minutes and a few thousand feet in elevation from Five Dot Ranch. Five Dot Ranch resides in a large mountain valley dubbed Willow Creek. Susanville is an interesting place. Long ago, it began as a logging and mining town, ultimately becoming an unwilling host to two correctional facilities. The residents rolled with the punches and adapted, with a big percentage of residents relying on state jobs, especially in corrections, for their existence. The California Correctional Center, which opened in Susanville in 1963, designed to house about 3,900 prisoners, though at one point it housed more than 6,000. It currently houses about 2,800 inmates. Next year, it'll house zero. The CCC is scheduled to close on June 30, 2023. The city of Susanville filed an injunction and attempted to delay the closing, which was overruled by a judge just this month. To continue operations, the prison would require a half billion dollars in renovations, and Governor Newsom's budget stipulates for the prison to be shuttered next year. When visiting the town, the impending closure is palpable. Conversations on the matter are frequent in supermarkets and restaurants and even local bars. Printed signs exclaiming, keep California Correctional Center open are displayed in downtown storefronts. The downtown area, especially Main Street, has seen better days. There are leasing offices that have been abandoned and are now for lease themselves. On my way to Five Dot, I stopped at the Susanville supermarket, which was surprisingly busy. The market is across the street from Lassen Union High School and was full of students buying energy drinks and donuts before the day commenced. Many of the students donned their football jerseys as there was a home game taking place that evening. I sat with the Swickards in their beautiful farmhouse in Willow Creek Valley and chatted about their ranch's history the future of Susanville, restaurant ownership, and how to breed the perfect cow. I'm Ryan Donahue, and this is Stories from California Cattle Country. I'm Loretta Swickard. I am Todd Swickard's wife, um, and we have been in the cattle business here, me being part of it, for almost 36 years. I'm Todd Swickard. Um, Kind of the general manager of the ranch here and uh, part of the family that has uh, been on this location since 1959 and operating the uh, ranch in California since the 1850s, actually. Well, the uh, Swickard ancestors actually moved to uh, the started in the Santa Clara Valley in the 1850s and had a ranch there, raised a lot of horses um, also 
used at that time for hauling wagon and freight and that kind of thing. Had a small cattle herd. And um, eventually the the Santa Clara Valley became Silicon Valley and got urbanized right after World War II. A freeway was put through the middle of the ranch and housing developments came in all around. So at that time, uh, 1959, my dad had just got out of college and was kind of looking, wanted to continue in the cattle industry and realized that probably wasn't possible there. And so then he looked around for ranches, traveling around the state and even into Nevada for uh, for a couple of years and finally uh, picked uh, this ranch here in Susanville, in Susanville, California, Lassen County. And um, that was in 1959 that he came up here. And at that time, uh, I was six months old uh, when we moved here. I hadn't been here before and I drove in because I was in Susanville kind of proper. And then we're probably, what, 25 minutes out of Susanville or something like that. The topography and everything changes pretty drastically. Can you explain just like what what we kind of see around us here? Because it's kind of unique. It's surprising when you come over and you see this. Well, we're actually in a neat, unique place here. We're actually at the uh, where the Sierra Nevadas end. We're at the very north end of the Sierra Nevadas and we're at the very south end of the Cascade Range. It continues on up into uh, Oregon and Washington, and then uh, where that junction meets the Great Basin Desert. So we have Forest Service with high mountains and also with the very dry desert environment uh, out into the Great Basin. We probably have precipitation variations from 40 inches of rain and snow to out on the desert, probably five to six inches of annual precipitation. And then we also have a cattle operation down in the Napa area where we pasture cattle during the winter down there. And some of those uh, yearlings are moved back and forth from down there for the winter and then up here for the summer. So we have uh, green grass and and good feed, proper nutrition for the cattle as um, throughout the year. Will these animals here be here in say November? Yes, yeah, they'll be here through November. Some of the cows, a lot of the cattle stay here year round. And we have some cows that stay in the Napa area year round, but we have just some yearlings, uh, the calves, that will go back and forth after they're weaned off the cow. So the calves that you see out here this morning, well, in this field out here, we just did a fence line weaning. So you have the cows in the front pasture and then you have the calves back here in this bigger pasture. And these calves will probably make their way down to the Napa Valley so that they'll be on green grass. And that will be as soon as we get decent rain, but typically probably um, December. Just out of curiosity, how does, how does the weaning go? Like, is it, are they amenable or are they kind of uh, aggravated about the whole situation? This is the third day. Oh, okay. And so you can see they're, they're fairly amenable. You always have some that could care less and some that hit the fence and a few cows that hit the fence. But for the most part, we wean a little heavier. So um, calves. And so they, it's, it may, it's a little bit easier all the way around on all of the animals. And we try to, you know, do it with the little least amount of stress as possible on the cattle. And so uh, it actually works pretty good if you just uh, separate the cows and the calves and put the cows on one side of the fence and put the calves on the other. And then they can actually, you know, 
talk to each other and lay down uh, next to each other, but the calf can't nurse through the fence or anything. And so, you know, it's a low stress way of doing it. And then, you know, within about five days to a week, they kind of, you know, lose contact with each other and meander off and everybody's happy and and uh, specifically talking about Susanville and, you know, your kind of family's history here and things. And Susanville was kind of dependent on certain industries for a while and um, with, you know, timber and, and, and things like that. And now is pretty dependent on some correctional facilities that are in the area, um, one of which the larger of the two, I think, is going to close next year. How has that affected the community? And is there how did that feel like when it went down? Because I know it was kind of sudden, like they didn't really give anybody a heads up. Well, originally the economy uh, here in uh, Lassen County in the Susanville area was based on, you know, I think originally mining, you know, started the the rush out here. And then, uh, you know, following that, it was ranchers, uh, agriculture and the timber industry. And that was a predominant part of the economy here for years. And then uh, the timber industry, uh, we had three or four mills that closed here just back in the in the 90s, they closed. And we had the state of California came in and built several prisons about that time. And then coupled with the Forest Service and um, Herlong Army Base and BLM headquarters, we predominantly became, I mean, maybe 70% of the employment in Lassen County was uh, government jobs. And now with the closing of the uh, prison, then it's going to, you know, the economy is suffering locally and people also, a lot of them go to Reno now for some of the bigger box stores. They'll travel over there um, as it's grown. So the uh, uptown and old part of Susanville has, um, it's tough for some of those merchants to keep going. Um, You know, you see the Walmarts and some of the chain stores come in and take over. So, uh, but uh, the loss of jobs from the uh, prison is, it's going to affect the economy negatively. We're vested in the community with our land and everything. We can't just pick up and go get a new job and try something new. This is all that we know. It's our lifestyle. It's what we've done our whole entire lives. It was supposed to be something that we could pass down generational. And we've been very fortunate that we've been able to do that for seven generations. Can we do it for eight? I don't think so. I don't know. Not not in California. You know, we use a lot of... Um, cowboys to move our cows around. We still drive them from place to place, you know, um, when we're moving them and things and the cowboys are out with the cattle all the time, double checking them and all of that. And they don't want to come to California anymore. The labor pool's getting smaller and smaller and smaller when they realize all the rules and all the things that they have to abide by. And so that's also making it difficult for us as well. And so maybe animal agriculture in California, it's truly dying. I do want to talk about Oxbow, but more about your guys' kind of approach. I wouldn't, I don't know if you would call it marketing. I knew about you guys prior to probably 10 or 12 years ago, I think, where you guys were participating in the burger battle in Sacramento, which is, it's one of those things. This is a unique kind of thing. I think you guys provided the beef for everybody and it was like, and it's a great event and Rodney's a good friend of mine. Do you guys have like a, a, like a running philosophy on outreach or like how, what works and what doesn't work or... 
have you have things worked and things there's I'm sure there's some things you, you might regret, but things that also that kind of told it work. Well, we started um, basically Todd decided that since we raised a natural beef program um, um, with all of our cattle, we were sending them clear across um, to the East Coast to Pinner, Nebraska through the uh, all natural program we were with then that it didn't really make a lot of sense. And so he felt like we should try to market our product in California um, with less loaded fuel miles and really be able to tell our story, who we are and what good quality beef was. So that started in 2006. We started out in farmer's markets, going to all of those, taking Caitlin and my other kids in tow on the weekends, um, going all over from Sacramento to Alameda, Oakland, Napa, Sonoma, where, you know, whatever farmer's markets that um, we could get into at that time. And then we were uh, originally we were approached by Steve Carlin, who um, is the curator of the Oxbow. And he asked if we wanted to be part of that. After a lot of convincing, we decided to give up the farmer's markets and open our brick and mortar space at the Oxbow Market. We opened in January of 2008 and we started as a butcher shop. Then we kind of morphed into butcher slash sandwich shop in 2011, 2014. We opened the restaurant side of things. Here today, we are no longer Five Dot Ranch, but we're Milestone Provisions. And we're actually working with two restaurateurs that have a little bit more experience um, than we do to continue the business, help us out through COVID and keep going. We also do a wholesale side of the business. And so we service restaurants in the Sacramento Bay Area, Napa Valley. So really, it's all just been a little bit organic. The idea was finding the right fit customer that wanted to know our story and could carry our story forward to the consumer and believed in what we were doing and that we weren't just another meat provider, but that what we were doing was very unique to California. You know, we're all born, raised and fed in California, all one family. So we own all of the cattle from gestation all the way to plate. And that's, you know, very unique. And that's the story that we wanted to tell. Being in the restaurant business is not easy. Cattle business is not easy either. What we've always said is cattle side, the cowboys start at three o'clock in the morning and chefs go to bed at three o'clock in the morning. So I'm not sure that we picked the, the right combination. Um, the return on investment isn't huge either on either side. But I think that we've been able to influence people, talk to them about our product, talk to them about the industry, share with them that it's not all bad. It's not just what you read in the news and really be able to highlight who we are and why we're doing this. Your animals don't. So a lot of operations that I'm familiar with raise the cows. And after a certain amount of time, they're moved onto a feeder and they live in that feedlot and they get bigger and they're, they're typically fed things other than grass, like, like to, to get them fattened up. It's, is or you guys don't do that? Your cows go from, what's the process? So basically our cattle go from um, basically conception. We own the cattle and then we do feed them in a feed area. Um, 
but for a very short period of time. I think what's unique to us is the the born, raised, and fed in California, but also the one owner. So we don't ever bring any outside cattle in. They're only ours. So we have complete control of them through the entire process. So the traceability is huge there. Um, the feed stuff that they're eating, all of that um, helps us keep all of our cattle very consistent and the quality always very high. Also, they're eating the same forage consistently, which helps with that quality of product. A lot of people are grass fed, but they come from different areas. So the feed stuff is a little bit different than they're kind of blended in together. We have the ability to have that same control all the way through. When I went from restaurants to working and talking to ranchers, I saw a very big similarity in operations, kind of like you said, it's like return investment. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, we're, our, our business, if we were killing it was 5%. What can you, are there any little stories or anything? Because I imagine jumping into the restaurant industry must've been pretty interesting for you. Is it something that you would do again or, or no? Chefs have great passion for what they're doing and we have great passion for what we're doing. And so I think that we very much aligned in that. I think I was just so focused on getting the product out to everybody and just as somewhat enamored with the idea that you could follow the product all the way through to the end consumer that, you know, you sort of have blinders on as to how many hours that you're working and what you're doing and you're burning the candle at both ends. Literally the cattle ranching is a seven day a week business. And so is being a restaurateur and, you know, they all have the same downfalls and um, I guess a lot of the same joy in it. For us, just a little bit of burnout right now. You know, COVID killed us um, because you have cattle that you've, it's a three-year process basically from conception all the way to the marketplace. And when COVID came, you couldn't just stop what you were already doing and you can't pivot in our industry. And so you just kept plugging along and hoping for the best. And you're working with all the other restaurants that, you know, you have wholesale accounts with and your grocery stores and all of that. And they're all in the same boat as we are. It just was all an unknown. And we've all come out tired and I think a little bit beaten up after COVID. So when you ask, would I do this again? Probably not. You know, it's funny when I, we signed the last lease on our, our space at, at the Oxbow and I was meeting with Steve Carlin and I just said, you know, I don't know, this has been really tough. We've been through a lot. We've been through fire. We've been through flooding. We've been through an earthquake. I said, I don't know what else could happen really here other than a tsunami or, you know, something just joking. <laughs> Who knew that we would also get hit with a pandemic on top of that? Who even knew that there was such a thing? And so, um, I don't know. It's, it's hard. We open a restaurant and we're too enamored by the producer side. Right. And we had some friends who owned a farm and they were getting out of the game. Like they're like, well, we're not. They were retiring. And my business partner, who's a chef, came to me and said, what if we take over the farm? And I'm like, wow. what, do you, what time do you want to get up? Or like, when do you want to sleep? Like, cause there's, I'm like, no, that's insane. We're not doing that. As great as it sounds, it's impossible. Are there any things unique to the industry in, in this kind of vein that you guys are working on now? 
Caitlin has started the um, online sales. We started that during the pandemic and she's really focusing on that. Um, that's helped us kind of, you know, maintain, I guess. The drought's also been a big issue for us. And so we've actually had to sell a lot of cattle. So our beef side of things is is changing as we speak right now, just trying to figure out where we're going to land. It takes so many people to get one animal to market. People don't understand that. And so you you have also that pressure of, gosh, should we keep going? Or we should stop now? And your gut's telling you one thing, but your heart's telling you the other. From conception to um, the product uh, getting to the table, it's a three-year process. And so it isn't like you can make really fast changes and adapt to, to market conditions as they change. And even the genetics going into the cattle, going into the cows and the bulls, we, you know, we're trying to produce, uh, you know, the best product we can to go into restaurants and on people's table and also match them to the environment that we have. So we can have limited uh, input holistically with the environment that we have here. And, uh, you know, that's even a, a 10 year process before you even get to the three years from conception for the immediate calf going from farm to table. So it's a very, you know, long term process. I was reading about your the ranch's history and that the cows, I think the first herd that you guys brought in were Herefords or something like that. Is that right? And for people listening, like, uh, you know, people are used to seeing certain cows on the side, you know, as they drive by and like the black ones are typically Angus, right? Herefords are typically brown with white faces. Is that right? That's correct. And then there's like, and there's Holsteins, which everybody's familiar with as the, as the dairy cows. When I look out here, you kind of have a tapestry in the process of creating animals that, that best that are best suited for this environment, but also best suited for, for providing like a, a quality product. Uh, what was the process? Well, it, you know, originally uh, when my ancestors uh, did it, I mean, they were constantly trying to find an animal that was best suited to the environment. You know, at times fads came in with cattle getting too small and too big, and there were different breeds like Herefords and Angus, Shorthorn, and then uh, some exotics became involved. And so it was a little bit all over the place in the industry. And then I think it was realized in the 80s that cattlemen needed to get a more consistent product that was going to the supermarket because consumers were buying a steak and didn't know what it was going to, whether it was going to be tough or fatty or lean. And so there was a, a driving force to, to try to get some more consistency in the industry. And luckily that kind of coincided with some of the today's DNA technology. And so now we can analyze individual animals, their DNA and select them for traits for, you know, efficiency as far as feed consumption, easy calving, easy birthing, um, marbling, meat marbling, ribeye size. There's probably 40 or 50 different traits that you can now select for just based on DNA technology. So with that coming in the process, you know, we're trying to incorporate all of that information and come up with a balanced animal that checks as many boxes as we possibly can.
We're actually about 93% um, Angus, both red and black Angus. We do have a little bit of maybe a little bit of shorthorn in there or um, maybe a little bit of Hereford for milking purposes or traveling. Angus are terrible um, travelers. So, you know, you start adding just a little a little bit of heterosis into the herd so that you get that vim and vigor that you need for them to work in the environment that we have because we're not all just the pastures that you see around here where we actually graze on Forest Service, BLM, um, Fish and Wildlife, several other uh, private landowners. And so the conditions of the ground and everything lend to um, smaller cattle cattle that are going to travel and work the country and things. So those are some things that we're looking at also in, you know, in regards to the type of cattle that we have. When you say traveling, is it traveling on foot or traveling in a vehicle or both or? On foot. They, Angus aren't, they're kind of lazy for one, but they also don't have the best feet. So you can bring some, you know, a different breed of cattle, just maybe like one sixteenth of that into your herd that will help with that. They're also not very good milkers, but Herefords are. So you could put a little bit one sixteenth of a Hereford in there and that's going to help. And that's what Todd's talking about. Um, And we also have both red and black. We do have a smaller frame score on our cattle than typical ranches do because um, Does that mean they weigh less? Yeah, we try to have cattle that are a little smaller, and then they're they're more adapted to some of the high desert environment that we have, where they do have to go quite a ways for feed and have to rustle around, uh, you know, up up on the hills to the top of the mountains through the brush, and so we're trying to have cattle that are consistent with that environment. You know, if you take like a Holstein dairy cow that's giving a whole bunch of milk and and put her in our environment you know she wouldn't be able to even survive so we have to pick the genetics that uh, match our livestock to the environment we raise them in get this on but thank you very much for letting me into your home and on your ranch and um i think this is i had a wonderful time this is gorgeous here um so thank you for your time oh well thank you i appreciate you coming Thank you. Very welcome. Thank you for coming out. If you'd like to see visuals from our visit, including videos of Five Dot Ranch and photos of a smoky downtown Susanville, visit www.calcattlecouncil.org. We shoot a gallery of photos for every visit. If you're interested in seeing them, you can visit our Instagram account at Country. We always love feedback. If there's something you'd like to hear on stories from California cattle country, you can contact me directly at ryan at calcattle.org or leave comments on our various social media posts. We'll be back in two weeks from Modoc County. Thanks for listening.